All right, so we are here today at the Real Honest Church Talk podcast, and I have Miss Katie Dill as our guest today, and she is the author of But Deliver Me From Crazy book, and that's available on Amazon. I'll put the links to uh, Amazon. I'll put that in the description, and so people can find that book. But she's so she's an author. She's an artist. And she's an advocate for mental health. And so today we're just going to spend some time talking because on this podcast what we do is we try to discuss topics that are hard to discuss at church. Sometimes because we're uncomfortable with it. Sometimes because when I preach on a Sunday morning, it's, it's one direction. It's one way. And there's not that feedback. And so today, this is really a huge blessing to me because I know it's such a topic that needs to be needs to be discussed in the church. Because I will admit that I myself, as a pastor, I have had people in the church that have come in <clears throat> battling mental illness, and, and they would even tell me they battled it, and maybe they were off their medication, and I literally did not know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help. And what sometimes I've done is gone dark. And I know that's not the right thing to do. And so I'm so glad that you're here today to share your story, to share your hope, to share what your experience has been like in the church, battling mental illness. And so so I was going to ask if you would start out and just read a little bit of the first chapter in your book. And that will give people kind of a starting point of where this, where this started in your journey. Yeah. Chapter 1, Saved and Suicidal. I had strived to be a good Christian girl. I doodled godly girl in my prayer journals and aimed to become stronger in my faith. I had known a third of the class at Unrest Hall Academy already since they attended the same church I did. I was familiar with the school building since it was attached to the church, and my mom taught the school music classes. The prospects of a successful academic year looked promising. Instead, I entered with a foggy frame of mind. Apathy was the beginning. It came quietly and subtly. There was no lighting up with anticipation for youth group discussions anymore. Drawing didn't appeal to me. My motivation to practice the piano left, and I quit my lessons. I could no longer volunteer answers for the mind-bending, faith-stretching questions our Sunday school teacher posed. I was numb. After presenting this concern to my youth group leader, we prayed and I went my way. I didn't have a bad attitude, however. I was afraid of my new feelings, and suddenly, the new school environment intimidated me. My lips quivered when called upon to read from the text. I had nothing to say to anyone. The gears of my brain slowed to a pause. The passion was gone. The sparks of light in my torso, all but embers, dying embers. What can save me now if I already had salvation in Jesus? I don't remember what followed next, bitterness or sorrow. It came on after the apathy, but my experience at Ernest Hall Academy discouraged me. I learned how to lie to myself, and a part of me bought those lies and believed them until I couldn't discern the truth anymore. I tuned my inner ear to the ear to the I tuned my inner ear to hear the ugliest lies of all. You're not wanted. No one likes you, Katie. No one cares about you. They only want what they can get from you to use you. 
So this this started for you when you were 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just turned 16 and um, have a birthday in September, early September, and that's about the time school starts mm-hmm. in New York. So um, I was splashing in mud puddles with my friends on the soccer team in this new school I'd entered. Uh-huh. Um, just the weekend of my birthday and then right before school started that next following week. And um, as soon as I got into that new situation, that new environment, it triggered something. Like mm. I had this expectation up here of like this Christian education and a biblical worldview and like, oh, it was going to be grand and everybody's going to be so <laughs> kind to me and it was going to be so godly of an atmosphere, you know. And, right. Oh, my goodness, was I in for it. You know, like the expectations are dashed and I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, these people – I say they're Christian, and here I am in this tiny little school. I went from the public school to this tiny little private Christian school, and I just felt like I was being watched, like in a petri dish. Like, <laughs> just the hallways are just claustrophobic. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I went so. to a Christian school as well. Mm. Transitioned from public to Christian. Oh, you did too. Yeah. Oh wow, what year? Do you know? Well, I'm old, so see, <laughs> graduated in '91. So, okay. I, and I would have started well. in seventh or eighth grade i believe okay so, so yeah it's still a hard transition it is yeah it's used to public very different nowadays it's like i don't know i'm gonna probably raise my daughter in christian school yeah <laughs> that's a whole nother thing right <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly but yeah still i mean you don't have um it's not heaven here on earth yet you know like we still have sin and have to deal with you know people are people yes so right and it's funny that you said um these these people you know they're supposed to be a christian school they're supposed to act differently but like you said people are people and when people come into the church Mm -hmm. um they have those same expectations Mm. and (laughs) right and you know i would love to say you should expect that of people that attend church regularly but people like you said people are people you know, just because people go to church doesn't mean that they have it all together. Mm-hmm. It's just we know uh, lots of times that we need a Savior. Mm-hmm. And so we come to church to try to get into community mm-hmm. and to try to learn more about the Lord and serve mm-hmm. together as a corporate body. Mm-hmm. But I always say there ain't anybody perfect mm-hmm. in any church that you go to. Mm-mm. No, I know. Like, not to... Um you know, put a spotlight on my family, but I did marry into a pastor's yes. family. And I know it can be, and we're living there right now, my daughter and I, as my husband's deployed. So I know it can be a little bit, you know, stressful as any family can be. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm like, I don't know, like I have a good relationship with the in-laws. Yeah. It can just, you know, it could be like, I wonder sometimes throughout the week, like, you know, not how people perceive me because I don't really care what people think of me mm-hmm. on that level, but I do wonder, like, um, is there an expectation of me or of the pastor? And when I look at other churches and other pastors, yeah, there was always an expectation. <laughs> the church I, I went to in this book, like, growing up, like, there was always this expectation. You put them on a pedestal, and it's like, but we're all people, and exactly. we all have our cross to bear and our rough times and our trials and our seasons of, oh, yeah ugly sin i mean who hasn't sinned please right right (laughs) yes yeah so it's definitely um a point of we come to church to communicate 
to be in community. Yes. And if we can't be real in church, then I, I don't know, you know, we can't be real elsewhere. I'm like, I, I have to say, it, I want to be more transparent um, and vulnerable so that others can see, you know, no, no temptation is uncommon. Like, yes, everybody goes through these temptations. I'm, you know, still working on others and fortunately you know with the church we we can be uh, salt and light and we can shine like a torch and i think that the only thing is is we, we've done that as a church you know historically mm-hmm. through the ages mm-hmm. um since the church's inception we have definitely been salt and light and through like even the dark ages the middle middle ages the renaissance and like enlightenment has kind of come from these father founders of like even academia like mm-hmm. and then healthcare, like physical right. health anyway <laughs> <laughs> yes. i mean even the in the silence and things people were like more um drawn to minister to people with mental illness i think through like the last century the 1900s um and probably even before that there was some because of the unenlightened in a way um status of mental illness it wasn't seen as necessarily mental um, it's probably more seen as spiritual. Yes. Um, that people were, were locked up and not I mean, t- stripped of their human rights Absolutely. and dignity. Yeah. And the church, I don't know what, what happened there. Like, did we go hide underneath a rock? Because um, if anything, the church, now that we have the science and the uh, medicine and the advances in therapy mm-hmm. that we have, I think the church all the more needs to bolster herself to become this, you know, leading force in this conversation around the table of mental health and illness. Um, And that's why I'm reaching out and talking to people and sharing Mm -hmm. this in churches and in different Christian circles and and in non-Christian circles. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I feel like the more exposure we give to the realities of the unseen between the mind, the mental, and the spiritual, Mm -hmm. um, it's all intertwined. It is. It's the relationship. The beauty of having a mind, you know, and a brain is really it's the seat of our conscience, it's the seat of our will and our emotions and our mental faculties. Yeah. And when we have the Holy Spirit inside us, we can be aware and even more discerning because, like it says in the Bible, those who have the Spirit of God can discern what's spiritual and not. Yes. Um, That's our advantage. Yes. Um, But also with the medicine, the technology, and the science that's come about in this century, you know, we're able to not cure, but help heal those mental and, excuse me, mm-hmm. s- s- neuropsychiatric, you know, illnesses and yes. see the progress there. Mm-hmm. But with a light, the light of the world, Jesus living inside us, I feel like we have that advantage. It's, a, it's an advantage yes. over the world's approach. The world wants to... I feel these days, I mean, it's good that we had, in a way, it's good we had COVID to raise that awareness Mm -hmm. um, of mental health and issues, Mm -hmm. but the church could be more um, of an answer, I feel like, to a lot of that, you know, anxiety. We think, uh, sometimes we view it through a lens of like, oh, sin. Right. But there is a difference between anxieties that are like biochemically induced Mm -hmm. and then the circuitry of our brain yes we can 
dwell in, in sin on those things. Yes. And disobey the Lord in his instruction and, and commands to not sin, not worry. Right. Lay it at his feet. But we Surrender have, your worries right. to him. But right. he's not going to leave us there. Like He's, he's going to give us answers and solutions. Right. And I find that in Christian therapy, Christian cognitive behavioral therapy and other mm-hmm. therapies are very practical answers to our prayers. I mean, there, then there is pastorally counseling for pastors that they, they go through you know, seminary and they mm-hmm. get counseling classes done. Yes. They can counsel people. But that's a different kind of counseling. It is. Um, and, and that's where um, I have come. I know that when things are more than what I have been educated for, you know, I, I know that standard. Um, but what I don't want to do is to just ignore somebody. You know, I want the tools to be able to say, because really I look at my counseling, if people come to me as spiritual counseling. But I, as far as knowing, you know, the different medications and even um, some of the symptoms of mm-hmm. your your official diagnosis is bipolar mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. is that correct correct yes and so it's it was helpful for me to read um, in your book just the symptoms of that and what to look for mm-hmm. in a person mm-hmm. yeah because you're not trained in the seminary to look no. at what are these symptoms or what are these diagnoses mm-hmm. which if you look at a counselor who is trained in that they can appropriately tailor their therapies to that person's thought processes mm-hmm. so they can have better success in right. really t- retraining their brain circuitry and their brain thought processes. Yes. So that the symptoms um, are better managed mm-hmm. and therefore the sin, if you know, influenced by those symptoms mm-hmm. or led into those, those sins by those symptoms, mm-hmm. Um, can be reversed and left alone and you become stronger as a person and as a Christian, mm-hmm. I should say, and your walk with Christ and your your symptoms aren't tripping you up into those sins as much. Right. And that's a good way to look at it, I think, if you could put it that way. Yeah. Um, because I know I've, I've dealt with, there's hyper-religiosity in um, mania and, and psychosis. Um, there's hypersexuality. I mean, like, who's to say... Um, you know what whether it's the sin or the symptom you still need help like yes i don't think we can point at people and say you know you're willfully going into the sin you need to repent and get out of it when they're dealing with their brain and it's misfiring and mis yeah mis- like you can you fault the person for like if they if they lost their arm, can you fault them for like not being able to pick up? If that's their dominant hand, like, yeah, that's <laughs> you know I mean? like like just super valid it's, point. It's not something we can really um, go in there and, and blame. Nor can we condone it. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, it's such there's a, solutions though. Yes, but, but it, that's such a a hard um, balance mm-hmm. to to strike you know because if somebody comes to me and says i'm having a problem let's say um with with sexual sin with Mm -hmm. promiscuity it's Mm -hmm. like i tend to view it as okay well 
what are you lacking? Mm-hmm. You know, because we use all kinds of different things to fill ourselves, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And so my mind goes to, as a pastor, okay, what are you lacking? What hurts have you got mm-hmm. that you're trying to fill mm-hmm. and mask by this? Yeah. You know, that's where my brain mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. And it typically doesn't go to, is there um, some type of, of mental illness going on? Right. You know, because yeah. I, mm-hmm. I live... Um, my background is I was in addiction to drugs and alcohol for many years, have 11 years clean and sober now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I have found in the addiction community mm-hmm. that mental illness is prevalent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, I don't know rather, myself, I have battled depression. And so I take an antidepressant mm-hmm. for that, which with that and the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's yeah. a, the perfect combination for yes, me. Yes, that's excellent. Same here. I have, like, my medicine. I was like, they say there is no magic pill, but I'm telling you, like, the concoction <laughs> I have, and yeah. maybe for you too, it is, like, an answer to my prayers for the healing that I wanted. Yes. Like, I couldn't be functioning any better off of it. Like, had I, <laughs> even if I didn't, you know, like, before I had my symptoms when I was young, when I was mm-hmm. a kid, like, I probably am doing better than, you know? Like, yeah. Emotionally, then. I'm more stable. I'm just, I feel like I can, um, you know, function at that level mm-hmm. that some, and that and the built, built up uh, resilience of having gone through trials and temptations and the mm-hmm. dark night of my soul in this book. Yes. You know, I think that's built resilience mm-hmm. to overcome and, and actually train my brain too, you know, like approach it with that um, approach of, you know, knowing what to do when you do come across those temptations or trials mm-hmm. or, yeah. Learn learn from experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the experience I've had. And then, yeah. of course, we, from the word of God, like what yeah. it's telling us to do. Mm-hmm. That's just application of his word and yeah putting in practice and that's like exercising that muscle absolutely um i try to let people know especially people that i speak to in addiction um that it's okay to take medication yeah if they need it oh yeah you know there's nothing wrong with that um but there are quite a few um churches out there Mm -hmm. that still kind of operate in the back in the day type of thinking before science was known as much you know before we before the church before we were educated enough Mm -hmm. about okay what is truly happening in the brain yeah you know to cause these things um i just i think that i know that some churches will will say it's it's demonic Mm -hmm. you know mental illness is demonic um, I know that some churches will say that you just um, you need to pray more, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what I truly wanted to come against because mm-hmm. what that does for people is makes them feel like there's something wrong with their faith or there's something wrong with God. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I was just writing a blog post after reading Matthew the other day. Um, or Jesus is like, oh, your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Mm-hmm. Like, but you know what? Those people had faith in Christ. 
and it was according to his will and the father's will. Yes. But according to their faith. So there, there is a play between our faith mm-hmm. and what we do with that faith. And then God answering and responding to our faith. Yes. There is a relationship. Mm-hmm. So if I take out, you know, the sovereignty of God and say, well, I'm going to make it happen because I believe it. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're focusing on yourself and your proud or your pride to do it. Mm-hmm. And you're putting yourself in place of God. Yeah. But if we also look at it like, oh, well, you know, I can't bother God because he doesn't, you know, answer my prayers, you know, then it's like the extreme opposite end of it is like, well, then you haven't tried. Right. Haven't you? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I mean, I hate that, that argument or that point of like, oh, your faith isn't strong enough because if anything – you know what? Maybe it's not strong enough. Maybe we don't Could have be. that mustard seed. Maybe we don't. Okay? Yeah. Let's not discount that, you know, a mustard seed is small, but maybe you don't have it. Right. And um, let's, you know, not, but said, let's not help my unbelief. Yes. You know, help, help my, my unbelief. unbelief. Exactly. Let's recognize we, and humble ourselves to recognize, oh my gosh, I may not have that faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but and let's not kick somebody while they're down either and say, you don't have enough faith. Right. That's just condemning, and that's not of Christ. Right. He didn't look at people and say, you know what? Sorry, you don't have enough faith. I'm not going to answer your question, you know, answer mm-hmm. your plea for help or to perform a miracle. Right. Um, I feel like there's there's got to be um, an earnest desire and cry out to God. Yes. Um, an earnest faith there. Mm-hmm. But also, like, that doesn't mean we, we, you know, if somebody doesn't have the faith, like, Maybe we just encourage them yeah. to c- continue seeking. seeking. Yes. And, and in seeking, don't ignore the, <laughs> like the guy in the boat who's praying for, I don't know, it's like flooding. And, oh, he's on the rooftop of his house because the floods are coming, right? Uh-huh. And he's say, praying, God, send me, um, say, come save me, like get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody comes by with, in a boat. Somebody comes by, like, in a um, helicopter, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. gets to heaven. God, why didn't you save me or take me out of the situation or something like that? And it's like, I sent you. I sent you, you those things. <laughs> yes. He uses people. He uses situations. Yes. He uses medication. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we have those answers and those graces today in yes. our day and age. Like, would you rather we go back to the day and age where we – for thousands of years, I didn't like, right. like we want do we want to go back to that? No, mm-hmm. we have those answers today. And God has graciously given those answers through the minds of pharmaceutical people and science people and yeah. medicine people. So the doctors, they, they can't be wrong if, if things are happening. Um, good results are happening. Every good right. and perfect gift coming from the father of lights. Like, yeah, I'm not going to, turn down a gift from him so i had to learn that the hard way of course like, yes i read that i read that in the book so so we'll kind of go into that mm-hmm. um so at 16 you that's where your symptoms started mm-hmm. and then um you can just share as much as, as you would like okay. to about 
kind of how that happened and then you got on medication and then what happened after that? Um, so I had to go through uh, hospitalization because this doctor, God love her, like <laughs> she put me on a medicine that was, I think, a mood stabilizer. It's in the beginning of the book, but mm-hmm. um, and it's a he in the book. Right? I was changing personas, sure, as a memoir. But yeah. I say she because it was really a woman doctor in the beginning. So she put me on mood stabilizer, and then. I complained of like rapid weight gain, I think, because mm-hmm. I was getting stretch marks after like three weeks on this medicine. I put on the weight. I'm like, mom, dad, can we just like try to see if she can put me on something else? They're like, yeah, sure. Because at 16, I mean, appearance. Oh, that's everything. Right, right? exactly. Like, we have to be so conscious of that then. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah, so um, I went back to the doctor and she switched my medicine. And this is psych medicine we're talking, psychotropics. Like, you don't switch cold turkey, end anything, start anything new. Like, you have to do gradually most. Yes. And unfortunately, yeah, I didn't. Um, We went off one and the same day, well, the next day, started a new one. And that sent me straight up into psychosis. Yeah. And heard voices, which I believe were demons. Like, let's not pretend mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the unseen and the spiritual has access to you know psychedelics and yes. all that those window those doorways of you know mm-hmm. so yeah i really did, did go up into a psychosis where i could hear voices and it was temporary thank god but um yeah it freaked me out so i ended up going um having some outbursts in school the following day or something and they got me to um, that doctor again. She's like, take her to the hospital. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh, yeah. For goodness sakes. Like, not only do I have that high, high anxiety and those fearful um, behaviors or, you know, I'm on edge. But, like, they didn't really talk to me. Like, here you go, Katie. Okay, here's what's happening with your brain. Here's what's happening to your mind now that we switched those medicines. Like. Mm-hmm. You're in a, in a psychotic episode. Right. You need to go to the hospital to get better. And I'm here like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? What's happening? So this also this paranoia is coming in and this, like, like fear of my life, like, of the unknown, of, like, what's going to happen next? Where are we going? I didn't really know where we were going. It didn't, like, sink in. Like, oh, we're going to the hospital. Right. So I did end up, you know... And it details it in the book, but, you know, I was in there for three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Probably, thank God it was three weeks. I mean, they needed to monitor me. I was so frazzled and dazzled. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, I was just... <laughs> frazzled and yeah. dazzled. Yeah. Right. Well, and what I found interesting was the mania that you talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, the manic episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah. you read at the beginning of the book, like... Everybody hates me. I've yeah. lost interest in piano. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't want to do the things I used to do. I'm mm-hmm. sleeping a lot. And then next thing, you're like, hey, I'm yeah. great. Like, I'm the life of the party. Yeah. Like, And so family members thought, well, that's a great sign. Yeah. Oh, Ka- yeah. You know, Katie's getting mm-hmm. back getting back, back to, to herself, and she's mm-hmm. well, a yeah. little bit more than herself. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> and so that's just, to me, that was a great, um, just good information mm-hmm. for just, just a regular person yeah. to yeah. know, okay, maybe they're, maybe if they go from this really low mm-hmm. low to this 
super, super high. I'm great. Life's great. I can do anything. It's like, wait a minute. Those are some warning signs. Yeah, those are the two poles of bipolar. Yes. And um, it can be really, like you said, like it's, it's, everything's great on the mania side where you're, you know, star of the show and like, (laughs) I felt like, have you seen the, the movie A Beautiful Mind? Yes. John Ash? Yes. Okay. So he's like going through these like special missions and it's like the universe is sending him these messages. And yeah. That's how I felt. I was like, oh, gosh, that window is like halfway open. So one, two, three, that's a third window open halfway. Um, one, two, eeny, meeny, my mouth. Like there was just like this really illogical, but there was a logic to it. There was a logic to it. It was just a, a rational logic, if you could put it yeah. that way. Like, my brain was working backwards almost, like, mm. um, trying to figure things out. And then, you know, random things I observed in the natural mm-hmm. had to be some kind of spiritual message to me intrinsically. Like, um, whether that was, like, my second episode, I can remember, um, going down a path about Tom Cruise. I saw that. And Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise were going through a divorce that year. And my name is Katie, so I was like, oh, well, there must be a connection. And then, like, seeing these weird, noticing these real obscure, but, like, they were there. Like, we went down to vacation in St. Augustine that year. Mm-hmm. And this was going on in my mind with this Tom Cruise syndrome, I guess. Yeah. Like, he was just, like, continually... Um, and I have no prior ob- uh, obsession with him. I mean, he's a great-looking guy, but, like, other than that, I don't really care yeah. for the actor. So, But it's just what your mind was misfiring and, yes. and telling you. Exactly. So, like, we went on this um, tour um, of St. Augustine, and, like, there was, um, <laughs> what do they call it, the Freemasons were involved. Mm-hmm. And they were doing talking about the Freemason history there, and then it was, like, connecting dots um, and it seemed like the devil just had me on his radar and like, I couldn't get away from, it was partly paranoia, but it was partly spiritual too. Like it was real spiritual warfare in mm-hmm. that state of mind. So, and that was the psycho- psychotic features of my bipolar. Not everybody with bipolar has psychosis. Right. And, um, it can tie into the mania when you have a lot of mania. So somebody might even say, even a doctor who's watching or listening might say, you should probably have schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, well, schizophrenia is, is more just the, the paranoia and the psychosis. Okay. But schizoaffective is like in between bipolar and psycho, um, schizophrenia. Okay. It's got more schiz- um, psychosis in the schizoaffective disorder. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to psych- um, bipolar disorder type one with psychotic features. But there's like, According to this um, psychiatry handbook, the DSM, mm-hmm. um, Diagnostic Statistical Manual of the Mental Illnesses, how they classify them, um, there's like a two-week period or some kind of like fine fine um, d- detail that mm-hmm. you know d- distinguishes you if you're bipolar versus schizoaffective. Mm-hmm. But it's very similar. So you've got um, the psychosis feature in those. Um, which is the paranoia, the hallucinations, the delusions, thinking you're somebody. Like, I thought it was John at one point from the Bible. Like, you're just, mm-hmm. it's not like your imagination is hijacking your conscious, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Like, your imagination is very running rampant, and, like, you can't really control 
these feelings that are coming up with it that are like you hard on believe that yeah you're that person and then those little inferences you draw from like observing your natural state of world around you is like oh well that confirms this like this guy i don't know whether um he was having the same wavelength of like delusions as me but, right. but he must have been because we were in the hospital together at this point and i just got into the second hospital in my second hospitalization or second episode mm-hmm. and i walk in there and he's like oh we've been waiting for you and i'm like oh okay so i must be like one of the guys from the bible because he was like i pulled out my you know he pulled out his um, bible his little pocket uh-huh. new testament and I'm, he's like can you read to us can you pray for us i'm like yeah sure sure i'll do that and he's like can you pray for siri and I'm like siri like not siri the apple but siri i think her name is the cruise's Tom daughter, Cruise's daughter. <laughs> and i was like, like see How did you know <laughs> yeah it's like i am the butt of this universal <laughs> joke like what is this and then right um prior to that actually the other hospital there was a guy wearing the top gun hat his top gun visor yeah. and like smirking at me i'm like that's physically i can't deny i, I didn't see that like that right although i had some strong hallucinations like i thought i had seen tom cruise for real yeah and i had thought i'd seen him for like a while after that years after that i'd still like that was that had to be him but you know hallucinations can be so real, real. right i mean i'm sure like somebody who's had them it's, it's like it, sometimes you can tell sometimes you can't but like that's the whole thing of it is like half of the people with mental illness with that kind of feature it's called the anastignosia mm-hmm. where you can't tell that you're sick that you have mental illness right and it happens a lot in those psychotic disorders and it's so real to you it's just you can't deny it like you're like it's like Stand right in front of me. Everyone so, else has the problem. Yeah. You get aggravated at everybody else yeah. for coming against you for going, yeah. no, I, that that's not a real thing. That's not it, happening. And you're like, yes. yes, it is. That was so hard to deal with the doctors in the hospitals. Yes. Because they're like, you know, and I'm like, please believe me. <laughs> I really just I wouldn't purposefully to lie me. to like, you. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, this is what my brain is telling me. Why don't you believe me? Which some of the stuff, it was, I think, male not malpractice, but just mistreatment of the patients. Like, yeah, it was the best place to get better, but there's a lot of improvements that need to be made in yes. mental health care and yeah. behavioral outpatient psych units, like inpatient outpatient. It's like, that's why I'm trying to work on, on nonprofits and coalitions and things that right now is like more activism or like you're mm-hmm. talking government policy and like, actually let's get some, brain care centers created and, and built let's treat people in a continuum of care you've got inpatient hospitals you've got outpatient units you've got residential care centers and let's actually look at the brain and talk about the brain it's neurology it's psychiatry it's neuropsychiatry it's it's not just um all in your head mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah and it's it's hard because our system is so broken mm-hmm. it's kind of a double double whammy like we want to get people into the hospitals so bad. We're, we're, what kind of help are we offering, though, in the hospitals? Right. <laughs> it's yeah, not I've, the best care. Yeah. I've had so. experience with that. Some people that I've taken to um, some mm-hmm. you know, hospitals in Kansas City mm-hmm. that were maybe some young people that were suicidal, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like they, they would keep them for three, maybe five days, mm-hmm. and they would come out essentially the same. Yeah. 
you know, and it's just like it leaves, I'm sure, the patient Mm -hmm. and it leaves their loved ones going, now what? Like this was supposed to be what was going to fix fix my loved one. And so now what? Part of it is the um, parity of like mental health to be equal at that playing field as medical health, Mm -hmm. the way they classify and um, treat the illnesses. Um, If it's mental health, you don't get uh, reimbursement as good as medical health. It's the doctors aren't getting paid nearly as much as other doctors. And I mean, the psychiatrists aren't getting paid as much as like a medical doctor and, and like an oncologist or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's also like, uh, the, the insurance, um, they aren't, well, the parody there, you know, the insurance companies won't pay nearly what, you know, what people need. Um, Mm -hmm. to get better and you need you'll need um if you're in a bad state like i was i mean thank god i had um good insurance Mm -hmm. um and no i didn't want to stay there for as long as i did but thankful i did you know Mm -hmm. um and it's a revolving door and i i even went through that you know like going back a couple times to get better to get that right medicine dosage yeah um unfortunately yeah, insurance, it'll be, especially with Medicaid or anything like that, it's like three days and you're out. Yes. And basically, that is nearly, like, uh, sorry, not nearly the time it takes for the medicine to kick in, to start doing what it needs to do. So they can't monitor. They yeah. can't tell what's going to happen. Like, it's it's a revolving, constant revolving door for many, many people, and it is a shame. Yeah. And the people so. that I, I've known I mean, I had experience with, they would see, then go to an outpatient doctor Mm -hmm. once a month Mm -hmm. and would get medication for that month. And then it would literally be, excuse me, another month before they could go in and talk about Uh, how's, you know, how's uh, it working for them and what have you. But in that month, and especially because some of my experience with people was during um, COVID, where they really had mm-hmm. things locked mm-hmm. down, and so you just had to do yeah. like a, a telehealth mm-hmm. type of thing. Yep. And it was just to be in that experience with somebody, well, I was so frustrated. And then you need to have incentives for those going to medical school for studying psychiatry because there's, if there's not the pay there like it is in the medical field, mm-hmm. what, who's going to go into these jobs and these professions as doctors to serve those people? Because there's such a shortage of psychiatrists yes. and good psychiatrists mm-hmm. like you need to they are so backlogged you can't yeah. get in to see them can't. where you need to so especially if you've got like medicaid you know medicare or whatever if yeah. you don't have a great insurance mm-hmm. it's even harder to get in from from my experience okay. with, with knowing people yeah i know um i worked at a ccbhc community behavioral health center in missouri here mm-hmm. um and we would have people on a plan through Medicaid that would pay for services to get a social worker, uh, caseworker like I was, to meet with them in their homes mm. at least once a week. And wow, I think, I, I think, um, so don't quote me on this, but like I think if you had really good insurance, like TRICARE or something, mm-hmm. you didn't typically get into that program. You had to have Medicaid. Okay. To, well, Medicaid would, would be the one that would pay for it. Yeah. But it's like, 
mental illness doesn't discriminate. Like, you've got people who have good insurance that want to be, like, seen with a caseworker, then, mm-hmm. you know, by all means. But um, it was very uh, interesting to work in that profession, too, because I got to see the pri- provider clinician end of things and be trained. Yeah. And that was super helpful for me to understand more of, like, um, from a provider's point of view, mm-hmm. like, what do you do with somebody in a situation of crisis and trauma? And yes. Like, what do you do? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I took away a lot from that. Um, there are, you know, different skills, coping skills that we would work on with them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that is, you know, watered down term is self-care. But mm-hmm. a lot of that is, like, hobbies and interests and things that relax Absolutely. you. And, like, you can, you know, be motivated to uh, pursue Mm -hmm. and that was encouraging them you know and staying by their side so they could be kept accountable to pursue those goals that they had for their themselves and their treatment Mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of what we did was was our our goals were measurable they were smart goals with the with the client Mm -hmm. and we just like based their care plan on that yeah and when they met with their psychiatrist, they were meeting their goals. When they met with their therapist, they were meeting their goals, and they were working on them with the therapist and therapy on a therapeutic level. With us, with the social workers, we were meeting with them and practicing what the therapist was teaching them and encouraging them and you know, talking things out with them too. So mm-hmm. I wish everybody was into that, you know, like had that accessible to them if they were struggling. Yes. It was a good program. So. That sounds like a great program. Yeah, there's, I, it's state to state, it varies. Okay. Um, they're coming out with more CCBHCs across the country, mm-hmm. but I think the federal government needs to implement more standards of care mm-hmm. and those types of places. Right. Um, it's not a bad thing. I would say don't reinvent the wheel. Like if something's working in one state, it's probably going to work in other states. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, different states aren't communicating either. So... Um, to each other like or observing what what's working in one state you know mm-hmm. what may be really good um and no system is perfect so it's not you know clear across like gonna be successful for everyone but it does improve the chances and the odds and of recovery mm-hmm. and living a fuller life mm-hmm. and despite the mental illness diagnoses mm-hmm. yeah i remember um when i was reading in your book that after you did get on your medication, you know, got things leveled mm-hmm. out in your mind, and then you had some some really solid years, mm-hmm. and then you met your husband, mm-hmm. Chris. Yeah, and then you you guys got married, and you had some some good years with him. So he didn't know you prior to um, having your medication straightened out. Right. Right. Yeah. So once I you know was hospitalized at sixteen. And then got my, my medicine that I that helped me through college and mm-hmm. got my degree and was it stable. Also, you know, it was well rounded in, in the sense of like physical health. Like, you know, I, I did a lot of running mm-hmm. and that can help your endorphins and your chemistry. So Yes. Um, I've heard. <laughs> I, I'll test that. So yeah. yeah. Uh being a long distance runner in college and everything, carrying that on through my life, it's a Something I still do this. I do that to this day, and it's mm-hmm. helped me that way. And then being creative and having those outlets of music and arts and um, playing the piano and all that. And then, you know, yeah, met my husband, fell in love, got married, and um, we were three years into our marriage when I was like, you know what? I think, and, and a lot of people do this. Mm-hmm. It's common. It is common. Um, but I was like, I don't, I don't think I need my medicine. Like, I feel good. Like, but 
course, that's why I always felt good. But I didn't know. Like, maybe when I was 16, they put me on those medicines. That's why I was so unstable. Mm. They switched me cold turkey. Or my hormones. Or, you know, like. Right. Maybe there was some, you know, sanity to the non-medicated Katie. So um, I tried to go off. Mm -hmm. Uh, I talked to my husband. I said, you know, I'm going to, like, talk to my doctor. We'll see if we will lower my dosages. And she's like, yeah, we can lower them. I don't know about going completely off, but we can try lowering them. Well, I kind of just in the end went off. You know, I was like, right. my husband was gone for a month, other side of the world. And I was like. As he's in the military? Yeah. yeah. Air Force. And then he's like, well, don't go completely off them if you can wait till I get back and we'll decide. And I took that as, well, wait till he gets back and then I can be completely off them. Like, mm-hmm. I'll gradually, you know, because I know not to go to cold turkey, I'll gradually go off of them while he's gone. <laughs> he came back. He's like, what is going on? He was yeah. so, like, blindsided, I think. And I was going through some outbursts and, like, got pulled over by a police officer at one point. I don't think this is in the book, mm-hmm. but um, I peeled out of the neighborhood and the development we were in. And, like, of course, there's a cop sitting sitting there in his car and <laughs> like, oh great and i'm ready to like i'm just actually we had just had a fight at home and i was like i'm going to church to talk to the pastor and, you know <laughs> and i i actually got away with it, sort of there the cop he's like do we is it any like uh violence happened yet or like do we need to go back to your house and like I'm like, no, I'm just going to the church. I'm going to talk to my pastor. They believe me, and I was. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I talked to the pastor, and it wasn't something he could really handle. Like, yeah. It was uh, my mental illness. Now, I don't know that I was in the state where I was, like, recognizing that. I think it was, like, in denial and partly in a signosia, like, don't really, I think realize i didn't realize i was sick mm-hmm. so what what i found interesting too is um even though your husband knew that you went off the medication mm-hmm. like it seemed to me for a little bit um he just kind of attributed your behavior to well i've been gone for a while so she's been stressed out yeah. you know yeah. different things just like different life yeah. circumstances no i mean he's a smart guy he he's very intelligent but yeah like being in the middle of it mm-hmm. and the thick of it when he got yeah. home, it was kind of like, well, he couldn't tell in a way. Yeah. Like, what, And he didn't know what to do. Like, what, what is he supposed to do? Like, go call. But finally, I told him, like, call my psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I need to get to the hospital. So I told him because mm-hmm. I did recognize, like, I am sick. I need to get better. Mm-hmm. And um, I passed out on the ground at this point. I blacked out. I was, like, coming to and. He's on the phone with my psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So he's like, what do I do? Send her to the hospital. So he didn't call an ambulance. He drove me there, which is good. Mm-hmm. I would probably would have freaked out even more. If it right. Was. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. Somebody in psychosis, that's hard. Like, you don't want to, like, add fuel to the fire or anything. Or right. ca- call a cop. Because <laughs> they're usually true. the ones who respond. That's true. Which I'm so glad. I did have a another instance, that period of my life, where the cops was were called and picked me up and most people they do get a handcuff you know mm-hmm. uh, um, taken away in handcuffs and fortunately i think this cop was sensitive enough he was like just put your hands behind your back you know yeah as i got into the 
squad car. And mm-hmm. um, I think I put that scene in there in the yes. book. Yes, <laughs> did. It makes me laugh every time I think about it. Because <laughs> yes. I'm sitting there like um, in the back of the squad car going, glory, hallelujah. You know, like praising in my mani- manic um, yes. impro- improvising state because mm-hmm. I'm so creative and like musical and I'm like singing praise to God and um but this cop poor guy he was so nervous <laughs> he's like gosh so yeah um yeah it was just it was a real trip but mm-hmm. um God was there with me every step of the way and, and in that state of mind like I could sense and even even while I was going through it I sensed he was with me Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those encounters with him. And that's what I saw through, throughout the book. You always turned to God mm-hmm. as your like as your comfort, as your peace. Like, you've got to help me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I kept seeing that, you know, through the book. Mm-hmm. And, and you said he did. You know, yeah. God did help you. Yeah. Um, I think that if you don't mind, let's talk a minute about, because you said your father-in-law, you know, is a pastor mm-hmm. and um, that he didn't exactly know, you know, what to do. And you had mentioned yeah. that your husband would call him yeah. like, dad, you know, this is, this is happening. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And he didn't know what to do. And yeah. you took it as abandonment, like, yeah. like, oh, like I'm too bad for people to help. Like I'm, they don't even. Yeah. You know, you took it as as that. Yeah. But I get that because yeah. I feel like maybe I have probably caused that in in some some people. Because oh. yeah. um, I didn't I didn't know what to do. And so how how do how do you recommend that uh, people at church it. Or in your family, if your loved ones or or yeah. pastors, what's the best thing to do? Refer them to the mental health provider. Okay. Like, like if they're in a state, depending on how bad it is right now, like in that um, situation, mm-hmm. but if they have already have a mental health provider, give them a call, get on their, you know, cancellation list for next day or next appointment mm-hmm. um, to get in and get the psychiatrist first primarily and then a therapist mm-hmm. uh, to get them to see them and then if they can't be seen by them um and things progress and worsen like it's the hospital okay um you don't have to call 911 some people will, will recommend that if it's like a harmful situation you know have imminent risk to self or others that you call 911 mm-hmm. um it's it's really tough in those situations too and in crises like yeah. well if they haven't yet performed anything violent or like you know but i can see they're they're building up mm-hmm. um of course you want to use discernment and um trying to talk them down and like de-escalate is something you might i i'm not as versed in that but like just keeping your your voice lower yes um Stay calm yourself. And Stay calm response. yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just like you know, um, not talking in a like threatening way. Like if you don't do this, if you don't stop right now, then I'm gonna do this. Then I'm gonna do this. No, yeah. Stay away from like <laughs> ultimatums. <laughs> <laughs> and that's everybody. Uh, yeah. Right. You can't do. Yeah. You can't do that with 
Somebody who's national. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. So why it, just, do it? it doesn't work out well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but definitely, like, if you know somebody in your roster on the church, you know, who's like a counselor or somebody who could just, you could call in a pinch. Mm-hmm. There is 988, you know, nationally. Okay. That's the um, National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Okay. Lifeline. And they're always available. So 988, if you don't know what else to do, just call 988. Yeah. That's good to know. It came into effect this past July Mm -hmm. as 988. Okay. Um, It used to be like a 1-800 number, which it still is, but Mm -hmm. 988 is a little bit easier to remember. Yes. Um, And then otherwise, um, try to help them. Uh, get to their next appointment if, if that means like you taking them there or like okay you know encouraging them you know i hear you and and listen of course if they're in a state where they're ranting like don't try to solve anything just listen yes um and then be like okay i hear you um affirm their feelings don't be like you don't have to agree with them but mm-hmm. affirm what they're thinking if it even if it is a delusion like okay so that seems to be a hard thing for you right now or um, you seem to be struggling with um, somebody telling you this. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to keep it. Um, that would be hard. Yeah, that would be hard. Yeah. Um, and and really recognize and meet them at that need, that place of like, what do you what do you need from me? Like, and and maybe they do need some nourishment physically too, like or a nap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember, yeah, the Bible where I, was it Ezekiel or like. <clears throat> He's like, God, I want to end my life. I want to die. And God's like, sends him an angel. Here, have some food. Take a nap. Have some rest. And he's like, I want to die. No, just here. Just take another nap. Right. <laughs> You'll be all right. But you You're know tired. what? When we're, hang- when we're hangry, angry, hungry, <laughs> yeah. lonely, tired, halt. Halt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that. But also, like, if they are, they're severely impaired with their um, thoughts and, like, they're in that mode of like like you see somebody on the street who's struggling with Mm -hmm. you know like yeah like for real like you might get their attention you might not so and if they know you that's an advantage yeah you don't want to really randomly go up to a stranger unless you're like you know trained in that Mm -hmm. um but even if it's like somebody in your church that you're you've seen a few times yes um, you might bring it up to the pastor leadership and be like hey you know i think they're struggling um maybe mentally um you know with with their thoughts um could you perhaps you know approach them or like help give them some guidance and that's where you send them the referral if Mm -hmm. you're the leadership you know you obviously talk to the person and be like hey what's going on and if they're struggling clearly you know like okay well let me get you um well i would with them call you know don't leave it to them to necessarily like right. on their own do anything, mm-hmm. especially if they are suicidal and they have a plan or a method. Yeah, it's like at that point you just you need to put them in um, a place where they're surrounded by loved ones, um, like who are can be monitoring them. Mm-hmm. And if they really do have like a deadline, then it's. Call call your local police department. There's usually, well, I say usually, but there's a lot of the times there's a crisis intervention team, mm-hmm. uh, a crisis intervention trained either 
civilian, you know, mm-hmm. um, or police officer that can help mm-hmm. give them, you know, have that conversation with them to de-escalate or to get them the right help. If that is the hospital, it may be. So I hope that's some good actual. <clears throat> like, it, it really is things. because I didn't know about the 988 yeah. either. And I find myself, if I think that somebody's battling maybe some mental illness, the way I have handled it sometimes is I'll say, have you ever been on medication before to help with your anxiety? That's mm-hmm. kind of my in yeah. to to say, has this been a problem? Yeah. Maybe you're off your meds. Yeah. You know, if they are on meds, have you seen your psychiatrist recently? Have you talked to your doctor recently? Yeah. That's, um, that's a good idea. Um, I actually remember writing a blog post at one point where I was like, Things not to say to somebody with bipolar disorder. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, one of the things up there was like, don't ask me if I've taken my medis- medication, but I think there is a good, like, if you can lead with, like, hey, um, and you know them. Yes. Like, you know them. Okay. Yeah. Then it's like, hey, um, you take medicine, right? Like, yeah. aren't you usually, like, taking medicine? Um, have you, um, you know been consistent with i don't know like for me at that point when i wrote that post i was a little bit like yikes like still kind of touchy from yes, your experience maybe yes, yeah because if somebody asked me oh are you taking your medicine it's like no i'm not or you know you could the pride factor yes you know, like rears its ugly head and you're mm-hmm. like no and so leave me alone but like that's if, if the person recognizes yeah i haven't taken it and maybe that's why i'm this way yeah that's a good thing so mm-hmm. I I would risk, and uh, it's not a risk. Cause well, no, I I want the best way to know yeah. the best way to approach, approach somebody yeah. that doesn't put somebody on the defense right. and automatically right. shut you down. Right. You know, it's like I want to be able to offer help. Yes. And so I didn't know if if yes. that if that was. otherwise if you can find out from their loved one if they take medicine, that's not about it. Mm-hmm. And to like know whether they're off or not, or maybe they haven't been taking it. You know, like. Um, and their loved one, if they don't know, you know, they might ask me, hey, have they, how's their pill box looking? Like, everybody who takes medicine should have a pill box. I just, mm-hmm. I, I can't do without mine. Like, I have to have my, it's a, it's a night and day for a week, but uh-huh. I, I split up because I only take my, my medicines once a day. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a two week thing for me, but, um, there's systems out there, you know, like you buy a box and put in your meds for the week or two and like if you miss a day it's still in there like right like check it out um but always having that open communication even well i would say even but like especially from the pulpit if you can touch on that in sermons and like actively like bring that in to like an example or an anecdote like you break the ice a lot i think quicker that way and like break down those walls of like oh you know like i had a pastor who was depressed and would openly you know um share that in his sermons and Mm -hmm. it was like oh well good he understands like so it's it's always um a good thing to to share and be vulnerable and transparent Mm -hmm. like what do we have to hide like exactly and and i think that you know i don't believe that god causes bad things to happen to us Mm -hmm. i think we live in a a world that's fallen Mm -hmm. From yeah. sin. Yep. Yeah. But I do believe when the word says that he can use what the enemy meant for evil and work it for good. 
I believe that um, whether it's mental illness or addiction Mm -hmm. or depression or, you know, whatever it is, I believe that we then, God can change that for good. And to Mm -hmm. me, for good means helping other people. Yeah. You know, being transparent and saying, yeah. This was this was my thing. I yeah. I get it. Yeah. I lived it. Yeah. But I know that there, God can yeah. take care. Can help you mm-hmm. through this. You yeah. know. And I use the yeah. David. I mean, I'm telling you, I think David had some some oh, yeah. bipolar. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know, you yeah. read the Psalms yeah. and it's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, yes. whoa. Yes. And you know, even though I walk through the valley yeah. of the shadow of death, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like. People need to know that there's going to be, a, at times in life, the valley of death yeah. you feel like to get you're walking yeah. through, but God's still with you, you know? Yeah, I think I, um, for me personally, and I think this should be true for everybody, but God can seem the closest when it's the darkest. Like, yeah, I mean, yes, there are moments where I remember back in the hospital, I was like, I felt like I was crawling around underneath a table in the pitch black dark and like wondering where, where the heck is God? Like, God, where, where are you? Just, just like put out a hand here. Like, and that's what he did. He did put out a hand, like in the sense that like there was no light on, mm-hmm. but there was a hand yeah, at least. And, yeah. and like he showed up in, in many different ways for me um, that made him more real to me that eradicated any doubts that he was God and that he existed. Like, I'll, I share in the beginning of the book, I'm like, well, if I don't have any enthusiasm, and enthusiasm means like God, you know, God's essence. Yeah. Um, and I'm out of enthusiasm. God must not like live in me. But you know what? The, 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 the fact that we like are conscious of a God. Yeah. Like, doesn't that kind of lead you to think you know, there is a God, like, mm-hmm. and that he's there for us. Like, he's not some distant cosmos, you know. Up in the sky. In the, yeah. With a beard that's mad at everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I keep wanting to tell this story, and I told this on other podcasts, but, like, um, it's kind of a funny story. Uh-huh. And I didn't put it in the book, and I feel like I should have. So next next version of the book. There you go. <laughs> or next book I come out with. There is a moment in the hospital where um, I'm pleading on my knees in the bedroom, door closed, and I'm like, God, where the heck are you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I hear this voice in my head say, I'm in the dining room. Yeah. Well, next (laughs) meal, I mean, hey, God can work in mysterious ways. Uh, Next meal I go into at the dining room, I I look into the room, and there at that table down the way is a man. At the head of the table, mm-hmm. with a long gray beard, long gray hair, <laughs> aged a little bit, right? And um, he's looking—he's looking at me. I look at him. I walk up next to him. Can I sit down? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and start up a conversation with him. His name, his number, and him checking me out. A few moments later, <laughs> I realized, okay, this is not God. This ain't God. <laughs> But it's just so funny to me because it's like, wow, like the enemy is very knowledgeable and can work in, I wouldn't say mysterious ways, but can work in very cunning ways. Absolutely. And in that realm, I do think, you know, there's discernment 
to know what's of God and, of course, filtering it through the Word of God, mm-hmm. but to know let's not put God in a box. It was a funny story to, to, to just to think, like, you know, God, we can still hear his voice, his Holy Spirit is still in us, we can still discern what he's saying and speaking to us, mm-hmm. provided it lines up with Scripture. Right. Um, but just because we're Christians doesn't make us crazy. And then even if we are a crazy Christian like myself, like, <laughs> God has not given up on us. No, absolutely so, not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm so glad that, you know, um, God is um, ever-present. Um, he's... He's uh, even at that table with the, with the long-haired dude. <laughs> he was still there. Still it wasn't there. the long-haired dude. It wasn't the long-haired dude. But he was but still yeah, there. He was, yep. Mm-hmm. He was probably ch- getting a chuckle out of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. often think about what God thinks of us. Yes, you know, and right? he's got to laugh. I mean, he's like, he's gotta, okay, now that yeah. was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then um, how long now have you lived where your medication is is working well for you. How long has that been now? Uh, I'm going on 11 years from that last hospitalization that I've been on this, basically the same regimen of medication, the two, the antidepressant and mood stabilizer, Mm -hmm. and pretty much the same dosage for about 10 years. And before that, it was a very similar dosage in medicine for eight years. That worked well for you. like 18 years, minus the blip in the middle there. Yeah, just a little blip. Yeah. It's it's been really good, um, praise God. But um, even if you know He chooses, and it's in within, I, I hope not. You know, but for me to like, I wouldn't I wouldn't forcefully like willingly go off my medicine again. But if I had to change my medicine, sometimes these medicines, you know, like anything else, like it it'll work for a while, and then you have to change or adjust. But like, and and I really hope it doesn't come to that. You know, like mm-hmm. he's been so good to me, and it doesn't mean he wouldn't be good to me if I had to change my medicine. Yeah, but it's fearful sure. or frightening to like think, oh, yeah. um, if I ever had to go off my like the same thing I've been on for the last. So I'm hoping that I'll just continue on these for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And you know, as science and uh, medicine evolve, you know, I'm sure like we'll get down to the nitty gritty DNA and what's good for some people because we already know some people um not everybody responds to the same correct the same and familially like uh your family if somebody takes wellbutrin like chances are good chances are like you'll respond well to that Mm -hmm. same thing so yes yeah um but there's you know different kinds of medicine medicines Mm -hmm. and um within those psychotropics and um i think I don't know where was I going. <laughs> well, that's my train of thought. But that's I mean, right. like, yeah, there's um, been a good span of years that I've been stable. Praise God! Like, not mm-hmm. everybody has that. A lot of people will still struggle with symptoms or side effects from medicine. Yes, and um, I just encourage them to like work with their doctor. It's trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, be you know, long suffering and patient with the way the medicine works because a lot of it is um it should improve in over time with um taking the medicine over a few months and then hopefully in the generations to come um we'll have that uh, ability to see exactly under like uh, a microscope what 
and why certain medicines work the way they do. And I'm sure we're coming upon that already. Yeah. But, you know, it's just mm-hmm. um, something we need to adjust uh, or reframe as a society and especially as the church, which I feel like, unfortunately, the church has been kind of like taking a back seat on like trying to. I mean, I feel like now and now, more and more, the church is like stepping up to the plate. To, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm involved in a lot of different, you know, church-related or faith-based organizations that are, like, talking about it. That's good. And doing support groups. Good. There's Christian-based, you know, support groups out there mm-hmm. for churches and places. So I found um, some stuff online because I was kind of looking at that. Yeah. And um, even with people, like, groups for people that have experienced, you know, have PTSD yes. type of thing, and there's curriculum with it, yeah. and I I thought it was a good balance of um, of God and yeah. science, yeah. you know, oh, and yeah. so I think that that that's needed if if more churches could get yeah. you know involved in that yep. as well. Yeah, I have resources in oh good in my game plan that I've compiled. Awesome. Can I share about that? Absolutely. Okay, so this is a free downloadable uh, PDF that you can print out that's available on my website. Okay. kdrdale.com slash resources. You just sign up for uh, my monthly newsletter, but you also get this free game plan. Uh, It's basically a packet of mental health resource guide uh, that you would fill in. Like, Mm -hmm. I've printed it out, put it in a little binder so that it's more like tangible and you just fill in like your information your medications medications you don't work well on um you know triggers you check the box that just keep track of like that's and this great. is for your health and your um your loved ones and your team mm-hmm. you know if you want to share this with them absolutely and um then prevention strategies and coping skills that work for you it's tailored to you and like your history of um and so this would be used in the case of, like, use it for instance as far as um, when would I use that? Um, or how would I use that, I guess? So so having it ahead of time before a worst-case scenario. Okay. Yeah. Um, having it already filled out to the point of, like, if you were episodic time to time and just to have that um, one-stop, like, everything all together mm-hmm. in a binder so people can find out you know, who to contact, um, mm-hmm. your treatment team, um, your friends and families, legal contacts. If you need a, if somebody needed a durable power of attorney or a healthcare proxy, conservator of the state, like just have all the information in one place. Oh, know? that's so good. Yeah. Um, I give you hotlines in there. I got to update that to 988. I haven't done that. So, oh, I did say 988 in there. Um, military resources. Mm-hmm. There's a military there's a really cool uh residential treatment center in virginia called the barry robinson center Hmm. if you're if you have a loved one or somebody that you know is active duty and they're like their kids are experiencing stuff Mm -hmm. Um, suicide prevention plan recognizing suicidal ideations responding to suicidal ideations this is for you and and your your family to like run through together like mm-hmm. if you've had an episode or even if you haven't had an episode and you might have mental illness in your family history you yes know, in your family like just to be preventative mm-hmm. um and it's good to know like 
especially with the youth these days like that's what i wanted to uh, that's where i was my mind was going right now i know like the kids these days are dealing with so much so much that we didn't when we were growing up that it's so sad and it's like if they could have this they'd be more aware of what is triggering them or what they can do Mm -hmm. because i think oh i have to say that youth pretty universally youth church kids non-church kids like it doesn't matter um the the main thing that i hear from them is anxiety anxiety that's just you know into young adults you know up to even like 25 years old you know from from kids to in that age group um it seems to be they have a hard time they're having a hard time dealing with what i call life on life's terms you know um and just with the anxiety rather you know with school personally i think a lot of it has to do with social media yes and so it has broken a community up of face-to-face person-to-person how are you doing right you know what what can we do hey you want to go out to eat it it puts it all you know online on on a screen and they're in their bedrooms literally day in and day out just just on the screen and then they're comparing themselves to what everybody puts on social media and as a kid you know we talked about that especially as a teenager image and all those things is a big deal and and we know that there's so many different softwares that filters it it actually makes me sad and i see adult women do it all the time put a picture on facebook and you can't even see their features because they filtered it out so much and i'm like you're beautiful you know just exactly how god created you but i think i don't know do you do you agree with that assessment as far as that's why kids are having i gotta i gotta say it's underlying um seems to be the common denominator is the social media and the devices yeah because let's be honest like when we were growing up and there was a lot of um you know there's that high school drama and the peer pressure and like i think that's probably it's got to be true of every generation every civilization but kids are mean yeah, yeah right. <laughs> they are <laughs> and it's just magnified to like the hundredth degree on mm-hmm. online like anymore these days you have to be like i'd probably with my daughter she's two i will probably like have to just not permit her to be online until she's like 21 <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> that makes sense to me <laughs> seems a little bit harsh but you know who knows what we'll have by then true like we like, were in glasses exactly google glasses. just gonna say that mm-hmm. yes google glasses and like microchips in our brains yeah. which that'll complicate things for sure but like and the mark of the beast no we don't <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> but it's like oh my gosh we're getting into that point in history where it's like well Let's not be too surprised or act too surprised that, you know, the Bible didn't talk about kind of, you know, this, yes. this, that the future and, like, what what could play out. And, like, let's not be too shocked if, like, in the next generation or two, it's... Yes. It happens. Absolutely. Like... Yep. I agree with hello, that. Hello. People are already getting microchips on their hands, and I'm sure they've already gotten them in their foreheads. So let's mm-hmm. not pretend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you can just look yeah. at the, the Grammys. This is, oh, like, way oh, off yeah. track, yeah. but... <laughs> You know, just yes. the more, on the, let's, the other night, uh, and how just openly satanic and demonic mm-hmm. 
that that it showed. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable where it used yeah. to be more hidden, yep. maybe some subtle yep. signs, yep. Yep. then denial. Yep. But people, they're just all out about it. And the kids are yeah. seeing that and they're like, that's cool. Like that's that seems to make more sense than God does. You know, because they're seeing that flashiness and yeah. they, they see the money, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. And it's just wonder, like, Ooh. you know, what it's, I kind of do sometimes wonder, like, what's going to happen? Because, like, well, that's another topic. Another time, <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> hey, we just yeah. go where it goes. Yeah, but, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, get one of these game plans and, like, mm-hmm. share it with your family. Use multiple copies if you need to make copies amongst your family. Because, like, let's, let's stop pretending. Well, nobody's perfect nobody has it all together so right and what has your experience been in the church have you tried to um talk to two churches have have people been open to you you speaking speaking about Mm -hmm. um i haven't gone that route yet um and i intend to Mm -hmm. i've talked about it before like with my husband i'm like i gotta make some speaking engagements happen at churches mm-hmm. like that's a huge topic especially post-covid but like i just don't i don't have the bandwidth right now um but i have done like a forum or a we call it a panel of um experts like counselors mm. and pastors mm-hmm. um at our church back in 2019 mm-hmm. uh to start uh, talking about it and did you have much interest in it yeah like well so from our church personally we didn't have a lot of people come out from our church mm-hmm. but from the area because they put it out in the newspaper local newspaper there was quite a few people that showed up oh cool yeah so you had people from all sorts of walks of life too that came in they were like uh, i mean different denominations of course but like they were asking good questions so it's you know it's definitely a hot topic for and rightfully so like well it's affecting the kids yeah it's, a pe- yeah. it's affecting people's families. It's, it is. It's just um, everybody, somebody in your family yeah. battles yeah. mental illness. And it's like, it's been that way for years and years, but compound it with the technology mm-hmm. and just the world's pace and it's spinning out of control and going to hell in a handbasket. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's, let's do something about it. Yeah. Talking about it is the least I think we can do, but also like going to your local uh support group or and then government municipality wise like going to or your school board like hey we need more mental health education we need more treatment access to care and all that like that's really where the battle is is hard fought because or hard hard won Mm -hmm. with the money and government and politics because you know they go where the money goes so right yeah and that that's kind of that's what i wanted to ask too because it's great to talk about things, to bring it out in the open, discuss it, be honest about yeah. it. But it's another thing of what's helpful. Yeah. Like what are tangible things yep. that people can do? Because yep. it's it's such it's such a problem. So going yeah. to our local um, municipal, yeah. you know, places yeah. And, yeah. and talking, asking questions. I mean, yeah. I just found out the other day there truly is, and it's pretty new, like a, a crisis center just down the road that's open yeah. 24-7 where people mm-hmm. can literally just walk in there and um, if they're not okay. Okay. And and go yeah. there. And 
you know, if they can't get to a hospital, maybe they that's don't. That's great. Have, I, yeah. I know. I was like, that is amazing. That's yeah. that's great. And really, I'm going to contact them. I don't know if they'll do it or not, but I'm going to try to get in there and do a podcast with yeah, them. Yeah, that would be excellent. I because I, yeah. I think that that would, be, that would be helpful as well. And there's different resources in the back of that okay. game plan, like A to Z on Christian and secular. Um, I, I would note the Treatment Advocacy Center mm-hmm. online.org. They are, TAC is a leading, like, forefront in the policy arena mm-hmm. of, like, government-driven um, um, changes that they're trying to address. Okay. it's a I think it's a nonprofit. But, like, they know, if you go to that site, they have every state's, like, numbers, stats, oh. and, like, how to get into that state's healthcare system. Okay. Like if you need treatment or if you need to know like how many beds are available or how that state does, how do mm-hmm. they rank? Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a lot of other activist policy type resources on their site, even like what Good to do to with somebody in crisis. So treatmentadvocacycenter.org. Okay. That's, that's and I'll, I'll link that as well on the on our video in the comment section yeah because yeah the more resources of people of okay here is what you do it's it's fascinating hearing people's stories you know it's it brings um somebody in front of us that that is willing to be transparent and open about their experience you know but like i said i really want okay what can we do what what can we do and and what can the church do because i think the church um, like we said before, needs to be more transparent, needs to be more okay mm-hmm. with sharing, yeah. hey, I've, I'm really battling this problem. I don't know why I can't get out of my thoughts. Right, 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 right. Yep. You know, and it'd be okay to say that. Yeah, yeah. And not like, oh, well, here's Proverbs 25, 5. Mm-hmm. It says, you know what? I just cannot handle that right now, okay? Like, like sometimes we don't need... <sighs> to apply the balm before we've cleaned out the wound. Ooh, that was good. So, yeah. Sometimes we need to, it's good to not apply the balm before we clean up the wound. Yeah. That was good. Absolutely. Do you have a, um, a Bible verse that you, that you kind of cling to or that, that you use? Yeah, Second um, Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yes. Yeah. I love that one because it's, especially the sound mind part, but mm-hmm. also, like, we don't fear, like, and it takes life experience to get through, like, a lot of fear. I you got to work that out, right? And, like, work out our salvation and fear. Mm-hmm. And, like, get to that point where, like, I don't care what man thinks of me. Like, I'm just going to go. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, I just care what God thinks. And, like, um, but that spirit of power, like, there is power in not caring what anybody else thinks. Yes. And knowing who you are and your identity in Christ. That's it. I mean, that's a spirit in us who has raised Christ from the dead. So, yeah. I lives mean, in us, yes, literally. Lives in us. Mm-hmm. So, we get that privilege and that experience. And He get, has given us His mind. So, love is the root of all of God's motives. So we've got his loving nature in us to go out and, you know, with discipline and a sound mind, like an order yeah. um, and a reasonable salt, like, you know, 
approach yes to go out and change the world talking is a first step but action has to follow so you you must have watched my sermon from last week Ooh. Guess not. <laughs> I'm intrigued. What was that? <laughs> Talking about a, a vision, you know, pre- oh, yeah. and how. I saw that post. Yeah, and just yeah. how God gives yes. us a vision. And it, and a vision doesn't mean so much um, like this big, huge thing. God came to me in a dream. Yeah. No, it's like, what do we know about yeah. God? Yeah. We know that he tells us to love God yeah. with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Love our neighbors as yeah. ourselves. Be the light. Yeah. Be the salt. Yeah. So our vision is based off on what we know of what God's told us to do. And what we see him doing. Yeah. Like, yes. he wants us to join in his work. Mm-hmm. And he's already paved the way. We just need to follow him, which was in my father-in-law's sermon last Sunday. Following Jesus is not complicated. We complicate it so much. We so talked much. about that last night in Bible study. <laughs> yeah. See? Yes. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's called faith for a purpose. I mean, he says, if you don't come to me in childlike faith, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So what I'm thinking, <clears throat> I'm taking him saying is, stop complicating yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. church, stop complicating yes. things. Stop fighting over non-essential doctrine. Yeah. Um, because I know a lot of good people and a lot of good churches that don't believe exactly how I believe. You know, yeah, right. Not on um, salvation right, points, right. not on the basics, fundamentals of Christianity, but you know, they'll they'll focus more on this part or that part. You know, rather the gifts of the spirit, yeah. or you know, it's just it's it's different. But it's it. I believe that the body of Christ needs to come together, regardless of. It's like. We're all called to follow Jesus. Right. We're all called to be the salt and the light. Right. We're all called to have love and compassion and yeah. and allow God to work out the rest. Allow God to change people because we can't. Right. <laughs> you oh, know, we, we, yeah. we can't change anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, it reminds me, like, like Paul's like, we need to have unity, like, yeah. above all. Above all. Like, let's unite and not divide. Like, oh, that's a huge other hot, hot topic, right? Like, yeah. Um, where we can, I think we'd do a lot better and get a lot more accomplished for the kingdom if we all united. Wow, can you imagine? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and yeah. that's, you know, I always go back to when, when Paul said, no, when Jesus said, they will know. You are my disciples yes. by the love that you have for each, each other. other. Yeah. I'm like, really? Like, yeah. people outside that yeah. don't know yeah. Jesus uh-huh. will literally go, wow, wow. Yeah. that is amazing yeah. how much they love each other, how much they're there for each other, how much they take care of each other. Like, they will literally yeah. say, and it will draw them to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, so, like, not that we're like looking for what other, the world thinks of us, but like, do we hear the world like saying that? Like I don't know. <laughs> so that must mean something about the church. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I think we need to look in the mirror. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. We need yeah. to to let some of the non-essentials go. Yeah. Let the and to me, it's kind of like it's, it's pride. It's pride based, yeah. and I'll do it. You yeah. know, I'll be like. Oh, then that's, I can't believe they interpreted scripture that way, you know, the type of thing. Um, yeah. I get it all the time with a female pastor, okay. you know, yeah. it's just, I look at it and I go, 
okay, I, I see that same scripture that you're looking at. I get it. You know, I've yeah. questioned it. I've, yeah, sought, yeah, yeah. I've sought God about yeah. it. You know, but let's not let that be a discouragement of what we can do as a body. That's a really good point. Because yeah. I've struggled with that too, that scripture. And I'm like, golly gee, like part of me is like, do we just want to stick our heads in the sand because we disagree? But like, yeah, let's not let that get in the way. Right. It's like, well, I, I don't understand scripture. And, and I have researched it deeply just because yeah. I wanted to know for myself. Yeah. yeah. You know? oh, yeah. And so a lot of it had to do with tradition back then and, yeah. and society and the uh-huh. way women cannot be educated, uh-huh. you know, oh, the whole yeah. type of thing. Well, yeah. <clears throat> and so we have to read things in context. Yes. But I also understand, like, I get where you're coming from, yeah. you know. But, yeah, you wondered it too. Yeah, but but let's not let this divide yeah. us. Let let's not let this um, make us not come together and, and unify and help right. others. Wow, that's such a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make a really good point about that. Because yeah. I think that I think that we all, as a family of God, um, when He says. Shine your light as you're a city on a hill. Like, it's all dark. There's a city on the hill. Of course you're going to see that. You're going to yeah. see that brightness. Right. And it's like, that's, that's what will, the goodness of God is what draws people to repentance. Yes. Oh, that's so true. Wow. And Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's like, that's that light. Yes. You know, it's that light. But, wow. Kate, is there anything that I didn't ask you that um, you wanted to to share with um, with people i mean i think i shared all my resources and we had a really good talk and yeah so i think um pretty well spoken for i think <laughs> <laughs> okay. so thank you so much for having me on and absolutely and this great conversation was really encouraging to me anyway like oh. i hope it was encouraging to you absolutely guys. <laughs> it, it was encouraging to me and i think that people God's going to use this um, to help people. I hope so, yeah. Mm-hmm, to help yeah. the church. And we just, we keep asking God to use us and being willing to, yeah. despite ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? it's like, yeah. okay, God, if you can use me, cool, let's do this. And so, right. um, like I said, I will link a link on Amazon. Uh, Katie's book is available. And so I'll put that link on the uh on the facebook church facebook account as well as youtube page and um it's i highly recommend it i highly recommend it because like i said i'm not a i'm not a big reader (laughs) because i'm always studying for sermon and bible study and so other books i'm like yeah i'd love to read you maybe but i just i really wanted to understand um your experience what you went through and and what what an eye opener and and what a um truly anointed way that you presented what you what you've been through that that will draw the reader into oh wow yeah okay so that's what it's like you know and and then to put a a face and a person to that so it's like i'm it's not just something on paper i'm a real person oh and by the way I was a believer in Jesus. I was saved yeah. when this when this took place. So yeah. may may people find hope um, in hearing your story yeah. 
and and peace and may the church we find wisdom as well um more compassion and more love and more action amen amen <laughs> i don't know what else to say yeah. amen <laughs> so thank you for joining us uh thanks for watching our podcast today and we pray that it blessed you guys <laughs>